Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. This week on the ASP, I am joined by friend of the show, Tony Semineta, as we talk about his work at Rooster Teeth and all of the Disney parks. Welcome, everybody, to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 131. My name is Josh, and joining me today is our Disney correspondent, Tony Simonetta. How's it going, Tony? So far, so good. Um, All the way down in Austin, Texas, we're somehow going to be at 29 degrees tonight, so I'm just keeping warm by the light of the computer. Did you guys get the snow? No snow, just cold. But We, We got the snow last night into this morning, so... We may it's get coming, it's coming towards you. Yeah, we may get uh, the thinnest of ice on our roads, which shuts everything down here. So I'm hoping for a, an ice day. Oh man, I see ice days. Like I, I would rather have the snow days because you can at least drive through snow. Ice, yeah. it's one of those where it's like no. Yeah, just Texas isn't really set up for the infrastructure of dealing with that. Everyone just doesn't know how to salt and. We just kind of sit in our houses and look outside and take pictures of the, the ice that accumulated on the handrails and hashtag it like snowpocalypse. So it's Texas is a weird place. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, and by the way, everybody, this episode is brought to you by Funimation Entertainment. And we'll have a we'll talk about them a little bit later on and how you can get two free weeks of anime. So, Tony. First off, we're coming off, last week was Extra Life, so I want to give a big big shout out to everybody down at Rooster Teeth, Um, and I saw, you know, you were posting some social media pictures, you were there. I was there for a lot of it, I won't claim to be one of the people that was there for all 24 hours, Uh, I kind of spent the morning with my family, I went in after lunch, and I was there from about 2 to about 2 a.m., so I did about 12 hours worth. And then I came home and ate and slept and washed like a human and watched everyone else uh, that was there at the studios kind of doing their thing and raising money. And it was just crazy to see these people do what they do. Mm-hmm. So you were there at two until two. So you got to remind me because I know that was during the two spooky hour when they actually hit their one point two five million. Were you there for that? I, I had just got in my car. I was just leaving. Oh. I, I had to I had to get home. I was I was fading fast. There was many different drinks and things going on and I had just I pushed it too hard too early and I had to get <laughs> home. <laughs> oh man. Well congrats to everybody there. So um I know they blew a million dollars real quick. Yeah. They were done with that before ten. Yeah. Um, and then they hit that uh, the point two five, and did they end with one point five? Because I'm I'm gonna include Jeremy's little eighteen uh, hour stream that he did after that. I think it was just shy. I think it's still in the one point four okay. range. Gotcha. Well, again, congrats to everybody there raising a lot of good money for charity. So, yeah, congrats to everybody all around. Yes, thanks. Now, so Tony, so you've been uh, working at Rooster Teeth for. A few years now. Yeah, it's about two and a half. Two and a half. So almost a few. <laughs> Cut uh, a couple and some change years. So you've been working there. What has been one of your favorite things to uh, work on while you're there? Because you work um, on the de- in the design team. 
So you get to do all like you get to help work on a bunch of that wonderful work. So what's one of been your one of your favorite things to design? Um, if you're allowed to talk about it. No, yeah, and I, I think the thing that's one of my favorites is something I didn't actually design. Um, but as part of my interview, and I was interviewing for the job uh, to get it, they were asking things about, you know, what kind of merchandise would you like to see us sell? Or what kind of merchandise do we not have? And I'm kind of a tiki collector. And I was like, man, I'd really like it if there were Rooster Teeth tiki mugs. And they were like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a cool answer. It kind of got us into talking about all, where I'd lived and different things. And uh, so I got hired as a marketing designer. And I was there for about six or seven months as the marketing designer before I moved over to the merchandise product team. And became a product designer, and then I'm now the lead of uh, the product design team. So I finally had enough power to put a tiki mug on the books. So I got uh, one of the designers on our team, to, who's way more talented than I am, to kind of draw these tiki mugs, and I worked with the the vendors to get them made. So just seeing them finally finally arrive was kind of one of the best uh, feelings I've had as a designer at Rooster Teeth. Just getting that from start to finish, finally making it happen. Nice, because um, I know that they had been talking about, uh, like on the RT podcast, they had been talking about the tiki mugs, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I want to see these tiki mugs when they come out, and then I saw them, and I was like, oh man, those are really sexy. Those are some cool looking tiki mugs. Yeah, they were great. There was a little hiccup at the end, just getting them back into the country with customs, mm -hmm. and everyone was so hyped on them that we were kind of just, they're coming, we promise, they're coming, uh, so they kind of had vanished into the, the ether of customs, but when they made it out the other end, they sold pretty quickly. So everyone else was also very, as excited as I was, apparently. And, oh, congrats. You made it into another um, Achievement Hunter video. So congrats there. Oh, where was I at? I'm always uh, you just... were in the 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 moon the Jeff Moonball one. It just came out today. Like oh, when he was walking around with his box head. He was walking around with the box. I, they went to the design team and was like, I wonder if Tony, but they opened the door. I'm like, there he is. I saw, I saw your desk. <laughs> Yeah, that it's never a dull moment. There's kind of I'm probably in the background of who knows how many things as people walk around campus, just cameras rolling all the time. I'm wondering, you're wearing like 17 layers of clothing though. It you was like cool. you've got like a it looked like a hoodie and then like a camo jacket on, and I'm like, bro, it's Austin. You shouldn't be wearing a camo jacket. Not yeah, and that's another thing. I'm a I'm a big fan of a lot of clothes. So like sometimes when it gets a little bit cold. Like, it gets cold in Austin, like I was just talking about, but it's so rarely and for such a short amount of time, I only have so many days to wear all my jackets. So sometimes you got to wear more than one before it gets to be 90 degrees again. So even if you sweat a little bit, it's like it's worth it because I got to wear my jacket. Yes. <laughs> now, now, Tony, the reason that I wanted to have you on is I have been watching a lot of videos about the multiple Disneyland. So, I mean, I've been watching stuff from, like, Defunct Land which does like a bunch of stuff for like Disney rides and attractions from years ago that have been kind of like deleted and, <laughs> and like removed. And the one that I just uh, watched that kind of got me thinking uh, was of, you know what? I, I know Tony's been to some of these places, so maybe we can get him on. Um, they were talking, it was one that was in uh, Tokyo Disney and it was like Cinderella's castle dungeon castle thing. And it was all based on Black Cauldron, oh, see, which is which is a, in that? my opinion, a very underrated Disney movie that nobody likes. I probably need to watch it again. Like I remember the cover of the book. I remember reading it. I can see the cover of the VHS and I the characters, but I 
couldn't tell you what happens. So I, I think it's this will uh, be the catalyst for me to go fire that up. Oh yeah, I I recommend it. Um, I know people that like the story. It basically it's very much like a D and D type of movie. That's like that's what it all is. It's like a very D and D adventure. Like it all wraps up very neatly at the end. So it's like, oh, this could be a good one-shot campaign if someone was to make that. Um, and they, that got me talking, like that got me thinking, because that went from like 1984, which was before the movie came out, and it ran until 2006. And I was like, I didn't know that people even remembered the Black Cauldron back in 2006. <laughs> um, and so that got me on more of a kick, and I was thinking, who do I know who's been to the majority of the Disney parks. And I remember when we met the first time in uh, Anaheim for the D23 convention, we had talked and you had been to the majority of the parks. So I was like, you know what? Let's get Tony on and let's just talk about the different Disney parks. Right. And uh, this is the part where I put in the asterisk that I'm in no way a Disney parks expert. I was just kind of love to talk about them and I love to go and experience them. So inevitably one of you listening has been more times than me and knows more than me and will shake your head at something I say that is incorrect, but I'm still just thrilled to, to go visit, visit them and talk about them. Well, considering Josh is a, a young plebeian who has only been to Disneyland, you are an expert in Josh's opinion. <laughs> so, um, so that's why you're going to be Disney correspondent, Tony. Take it. Um, so, what was the first? Like, can you tell me the first time that you went to a Disney park and what Disney park it was? Um, both of my parents are from Southern California, so growing up, I lived in Texas, uh, and we would go out to California for summers to visit both sets of grandparents and aunts and uncles. Um, so I couldn't tell you when I started because it was at such a young age. I probably don't remember. There are photos of me at Disneyland, which I don't remember. So there's no telling what my first trip was. I'd have to call up my parents and kind of ring them. But I'd been going, you know, most summers all the way through, you know, fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I lived in Texas and then I lived in Hawaii. But in both places, we went back to California for, for vacations when people weren't visiting us in Hawaii. Um, so pretty regularly, maybe yearly, semi-yearly, I went out to Disneyland. And so that's the only park I had ever been to all the way until, uh, you know, after college. So Disneyland was kind of just like you. It was the only park I'd ever been to. <laughs> kind of my home park just by nature of you know, all my uh, extended family living in that area. So, so Disneyland is your home park. Do you have any, like, memorable experiences from that park? Like something that resonates to you even now from your childhood about being at the parks? Um, the, the most, like to the core memory I have is, I guess because it's like a multi-sensory memory is the um, Disneyland electric parade. Like just mm -hmm. like hearing like the opening notes of the Baroque down things, it still kind of does the, uh, you know, hair, hair standing on your neck feeling still kind of transports you. You know, they brought it back in various different incarnations at both parks. Um, but something about just the, the beginning and opening notes of that song is you know kind of drilled down into me to give that like that, that just like pure happy feeling nice so after college um which was so after college i assume you went to world yes so yeah it wasn't until uh 2008 um i went out 
uh, I had just, as I was going through college for design stuff, uh, towards the end of it, I was kind of getting into the kind of theory of theme park design and how theme parks work and how certain things were designed to manufacture happiness. And these theme parks are designed in such a way that everyone should feel like they have their own unique, special experience, but that everyone have the same unique, special experience so that it feels uh, great to them. And so I was kind of obsessed with the like different theme park layout and like this kind of manufactured environments. And so like towards the end of college, I was reading a lot of books about theme park design and studying color theory and like all kinds of architecture theory about the way things were built. So I was like, oh, you know what? I've never been out to world, uh, which is, you know, after they learned a lot of things, they learned at Disneyland and they had a lot more room and more money. They went and manufactured this whole thing and they had, you know, different ideas for Epcot at the time and all these other uh, ideas circling. But it was kind of a thing you have to do as a, as a budding theme park nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went out there, I guess it was 2008 and I went again in 2009 and actually got engaged out there in, in 2008. And so we went back in 2009 and then I started uh, wanting to go back. So I found excuses to start running the, the Disney marathons. So I'd kind of been back to Disney world at least once a year since then. <laughs> nice. So basically once a year back to Disneyland since 2009 to world. Yeah. I'm sorry. To, to world, to world. Yeah. Disneyland trips kind of get peppered in. Every, every yeah, whenever year. there's work. Yeah. D23 or somebody, you know, a work trip to anywhere in California is a good excuse to kind of mosey down there. But, yeah, pretty consistently I've been going to World uh, since, you know, 08, 09. They need to let you uh, comp a, a D23 work trip for next year. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, hey, I have to go. There's a lot of design. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, lot of, of cool design stuff. and things that I need to watch. There's well, merchandise go, I need to look at. Well, I mean, if, if you go to that, because uh, they, they have that big merch panel. Uh, that's like the first... Of, like the first thing of D23. Yeah. They go yeah. through all of the new stuff and then they give you the samples of all the new stuff. Yeah, I went to, uh, I guess, how many D23? Like two D23s ago. Um, I used to do some freelance for Disney Parks merchandise. So some of my merchandise was in that, that panel. So that was the first thing I went to and they showed some of my products on the slideshows. And so I was very excited about that. That's awesome. So, so what, what's that like when you're like, you know what? I've worked for a little bit of Disney. I've been going to the parks for years. And then you get to go and see some of your merchandise, something that you created at a Disney park. What's, what's that like? Yeah, that's still, it's still the strangest, best feeling to see someone like just wearing a shirt. You're like, oh, I did that shirt. And uh, so, yeah, I did a lot of uh, freelance design for them. It's been a few years because the way they restructured the way they do um, freelancers and everything, all their creative team has moved. And that's a more boring story that I don't have all the answers to. Um, <laughs> but for a while there, uh, I worked on a several uh, of their large, you know, merchandise programs for a, the big one I started with was 28 in Maine. And then I did a lot of stuff for Epcot States and I did a lot of stuff for uh, Pandora World of Avatar. So there was a lot of opportunity to see the things that I had made and they were becoming more frequent as they were coming out. So it was just I still, from time to time, see people in a thing. I'm like, oh, I did that one. I did that one. So it's it's a fun game I like to play. Yeah, I remember because like when we were uh, when we were at D23, um, it was like the what was it like the almost like, the March Madness type of thing. Oh yeah, the March. Had. Yeah, I had done the March Magic. 
March Magic, yeah. And I think there were a couple people wearing one of your shirts there. And you were like, I did that one. (laughs) It's still fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's like a fun bingo. It's like go to the park and just be like, do, 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 do. Oh, that's me. That's me. Uh, So what was your first... uh, what was your first Disney park outside of the U.S.? Um, so that was my first Disney park outside of the U.S. Was So I got married in 2009, and uh, we had talked about going to, to Japan as kind of a honeymoon. And we wanted to kind of wait a little bit longer to save up some money and kind of get some friends to go with us for part of the trip. Um, just because traveling internationally is kind of better with a small group. Yeah. So we went out to Tokyo in 2010. And so we were going out to Tokyo for seven or eight days and then we were going to go over to take the train to Mount Fuji and climb Mount Fuji and then go to Kyoto. And so we had, there was a group of four of us and I was like, you know what? I'm demanding we do Tokyo <laughs> Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea for at least two of the days. And all the other people that were going with me, like know me. And so they, they tolerate that. And they were like, you know what? It'll be fun. It's hard. To, I thought I was going to have more of a fight to get these people to spend two of their days of vacation at Disney parks and they're flying halfway around the world, but everyone went and everyone loved it. So, so going from, you know, two parks in the United States to over to Tokyo Disney and I assume Tokyo Disney sea as well. Yes. So going over there to those two parks, what was it like? Was it more of a culture shock when you go over there or was it still like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm in the heart of Japan. Like, I'm in like basically like the heart of Tokyo, but Disney is Disney. Like, what what was that like? Um, yeah, like it's it's weird how the same but different uh, Disneyland in particular. Disney Sea is a whole different beast. Um, but Tokyo Disneyland is you know like the Magic Kingdom. We you know look through a like in a strange mirror. Um, so they have a lot you know a lot of the same lands. They have mm-hmm. some of the same rides. Um, they have a lot of things that are comfortable and familiar enough that you. Like I know if I walk this way, I'm probably going to hit you know Tomorrowland first uh, and things like that. They don't have a Frontierland; they have a Westernland, I believe, which is a little different. Um, so a lot of the things are the same, and uh, all of a sudden you'd hear announcements in a different language or smell you know curry popcorn or just something out of the blue, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm in Japan. That is, uh, and they take you know the love of Disney to the next level too, where everyone's got a shirt on, is wearing the ears, has a backpack with a Mickey keychain dangling off of it with, you know, Donald's shoes. Like they, they are well ahead of us in the merchandise game over there. Well, cause I mean like they have those little, uh, or from what, what I've been watching on the YouTubes, uh, they have the little like holder things for their, for their cards that they get like for their fast pass and everything. Yeah. Like, like the annual passes, like the little, like, it's almost like a purse. Yeah, they're able to merchandise everything really well. When I was there, um, the big thing that was going on was the the Duffy the Disney Bear. Oh yeah, Duffy. Which is the little bear that you you know dress by little outfits for. There were like little seats around the park for you to set your Duffy on to take pictures, like Duffy photo spots. And people had them in baby carriers. And people, it was I had never. That was the biggest culture shock was just the Duffy extravaganza that was going on over there. You go to you go to uh, Disneyland to see a bunch of Mickey Mouse and it's just all a bear, yeah, not bear. even Pooh, just a bear. Um, but yeah, they, they and like I said, their characters over there. Um, that was the other thing that was slightly 
I was kind of taken aback by was in the, the local U.S. parks, you know, you set your times for your meet and greets or you go wait in a little line. That's, you know, a 20, 30 minute line, kind of the only way you're going to get to see the characters. Uh, when we were in Tokyo, they just kind of showed up out of backstage and were walking around kind of unaccompanied. They didn't have handlers and they would walk around and kind of poke people and generally have fun. But there was never really a line that gathered around some of them. There were obviously meet and greets still kind of stationed around the park like normal. But you'd be just turning the corner and kind of random characters uh, like Jiminy Cricket would pop out. And he would just kind of run around and take some pictures and disappear again. And there was that was one of the, the things I remember being very taken aback by. I was like, is no one getting in line for Jiminy Cricket? I'm just going to go. And I was like, all right, I'm here. Gavin would have died. He'd be like, Jiminy Cricket, and just would have like, fallen. And just, he would have been gone. We never would have seen him again. Yeah, there was. I remember I saw Jiminy Cricket, and I think Robin Hood was out, and Horace Horse Collar. Like, just really deep down the list of characters who you don't see very often in the U.S. parks. So so what was it like going from like the – so you, you describe Tokyo Disney as kind of like a Magic Kingdom-esque park. What was it like when you went over to sea? Uh, it's a different – it's a different world. Like it's just stunning. And then you talked about you know, the Disney parks. I guess we were talking before a little bit about how just the, uh, the attention to detail that they have at the parks over there just seems a little bit higher uh, than it is in the, in the U.S. parks. Uh, I think – I believe those parks are technically licensed – their Disney has final say in everything. They're licensed by like the Oriental Land Company or a company that licenses yeah. and spends money on the park. And then Disney controls everything still. Um, but the money being spent is initially seems higher. Like just the back of every ride, the, the corner, every corner is just kind of treated, uh, gets all the, gets all the treatment, gets painted. Everything's super nice. So walking into Disney sea, there's, you know, the giant volcano in the middle of the park surrounded by a big lagoon and you're just not prepared because you've walked like into Disneyland so many times and into Disney World so many times it still gets to you so like get close to Main Street and you're like there's a castle there's a castle it's got the same joyous feeling and I got that you know at Tokyo Disneyland you're like oh I'm gonna see what their castle looks like everything's gonna be slightly different but like you have no idea what to expect at Disney Sea, and there's volcanoes and Jules Verne looking machines on one side and what looks like 1900s New York on the other side. And you just don't know what to make of it. You don't know which direction to go. You don't like, can't start at Tomorrowland. You just kind of, well, let's just take it as it comes. Yeah. Cause they have that big, uh, the Columbia, that big, like, sh like cruise liner, don't they? Yeah, they have that. And there's, uh, I think we went to a, a bar a restaurant on there. We went to like the Roosevelt lounge. There's yeah. There, Cause they're all, it's set up like ports instead of lands. Um, so there's like the okay. mysterious island and the Mediterranean Harbor Port, like uh, Port Discovery, I think was one of them. And then there's the American Waterfront, which has like all the old timey New York stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, they're adding another port is what they announced pretty recently, which will be my excuse to go back because it's going to have like, I think Frozen, Tangled and Peter Pan stuff at this next port. Oh, nice. So, so like whatever. a land type part, or like a fantasy port. Yeah, kind of a, a fantasy land, for lack of a better a better way to, to theme it. Um, so that'll be a reason for me to go back when they when they finish that. There's plenty of reasons, but that'll be like a nice, clean reason. Yeah, <laughs> like like that, that, that's yeah. like one of my reasons to go because I want to see that freaking volcano. Yeah, like, ha, like does does that erupt every hour? 
I, it was it was pretty random. I, I it may have been every hour. I just kind of was taking everything in, so I I didn't know what to make of anything because I had done a little bit of homework back then, but it wasn't. I kind of wanted to just take it as it came and not worry about like what I was missing. Focus kind of on what I could do. That was that was really really fun. So was 2010? Was that the only time that you've been? Or have you have have you been back since? That's the only time I've been to Tokyo. Yeah, that's. It's been a while. It's like I said, it's kind of a haul to get out there and you kind of, it's going to cost you some money and some time and you want to go all the way out to Tokyo. You want to kind of stay longer. So it'll be a a thing eventually. I've got two kids now. So when they get a little older, maybe we'll, we'll treat them. Take everybody out there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe a two weeks. Maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see how I got to learn how school vacation works again with uh, my oldest is in kindergarten. So I'm like, Oh, I can't just like, take you whenever I want. Now you have attendance and truancy and all that fun stuff. So we'll figure that out. Oh man. Sounds like summer. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that'll be a fun one. It's like, where did you go for summer vacation? I went to Japan. Yes. And just I, like I, drop the mic for everyone. who's like, well, we went to Dallas to six flags. We're like, yes. well, I went to, I went to, to uh, Disneyland in Japan. Yep. So dad loves Mickey mouse. So we go where he lives. Uh, do, do you remember it being um, relatively pricier there? Because I mean, I know just like Disneyland and Disney World, they keep ra- like they ratchet up the price every like what seems like a fortnight. Um, but like, do you remember it being? Because I mean, this was 2010. So I mean, it's it's been a hot minute. But do you remember it being really expensive, or was it? Uh, was it the food, I remember. Comparable? I remember it was kind of comparable. I remember just everything surrounding it, like the food and like just trying to get there. I know that the the hotels were prohibitively expensive. So we ended up, you know, staying at a, a different hotel in Tokyo and taking the train to get there. Um, and the food, I remember being a little bit more expensive. Um, yeah, I don't really recall like, you know, tickets and merchandise as much, but it seemed all in all, I was in vacation mode. So you just kind of hemorrhage money anyway. Did you take that cool Disney train with the with the mouse eared windows? The mouse eared handles, yeah, I did. Ah, <laughs> oh, see, that's cool. Yeah, that's like a all the, to go right there just you, for the Mickey Mouse train. You take the train in Tokyo. Um, a lot of the stops they have they're color coded and they have names and they have them written in Japanese and in English. And then each of the stops has kind of a little three or four or five note uh, jingle, so that even if you like can't see the sign or can't read the sign, you kind of as you take the train more often, you kind of recognize what stop you're at by it'll stop and it'll go do 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 and you're like, oh, this is that one stop we were at yesterday with the restaurant. But I don't remember the exact song it played, but the the stop in front of Tokyo Disneyland was a Disney song, and I was just like, awesome. that was kind of the beginning of the excitement. That's 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 really cool. That's really cool. So after Tokyo Disney, um, what was the next park that you attended? That was ten in uh, 2011. Uh, went out with my wife to Europe and we were like, you know, we want to travel a little bit more before we thought about, you know, starting a family and doing all that. We had been to Asia and neither of us had really been like, I think she had been to Europe when she was younger, but as adults, we hadn't really been out to Europe and we we're like, you know, we want to do um, just kind of the basic, basic tourist stuff, you know, like Rome and Paris. Um, so we were like, we're going to go to Italy and Paris. And so I was kind of like, poking her. I was like, you know, we're going to be all the way in Paris. Let's just like mosey over to, to Disneyland Paris, which is just kind of like 30 minutes outside of Paris. And uh, 
by this point, you know, she was my wife and kind of knew how I was and just, let's do it. So she was all in on that as well. So it was 2011. I went out to, to Paris. Oh, man. So... So 2011 in Paris, what, what was your, so, I mean, so you had been to, you know, all of your continental parks, you've been to, to, uh, Tokyo Disney and see, so then you go to Euro Disney and at that time, cause like that was 2011. So Disney hadn't like basically bought that park back yet. No. Yeah. They changed. It was, it was Disneyland Paris by that point. I think they changed that in like 2002 or whenever they changed that so it was definitely disneyland i never got to go to euro disney when it was named that but it was disneyland paris um and so i again i kind of didn't i plan i'm an over planner uh on the when i go to disney world i kind of try to do too many things and so i was like you know what we've got all the way over here to paris let's just buy the tickets and kind of go um so i didn't really know what to expect there either um and their magic i don't know if it's called the magic kingdom um, you get that same kind of feeling, like I was explaining, like when you're walking down their main street, I think they have two arcades that, uh, walkway style arcades, not like video game arcades that kind of run parallel to main street. So like, as you're approaching it, uh, I guess I can back up one step as you're approaching Disneyland Paris, the entrance to the park, you have to walk underneath the hotel to get into it. So the, the hotel, I don't know if it's called the Disneyland Paris hotel, sits right at the front gate and faces into the park. And so immediately you're kind of like, oh, this is very different. And then after you, you know, emerge from the tunnel underneath the, the hotel, you get the kind of, okay, there's the train station. This is the stuff I'm more familiar with. Um, and so it starts to kind of click in again. Um, so I remember that being all kind of the same. And then their castle is a very, very different castle. Because I guess when they were building that park, they were like, you know what, we're in Europe. Everybody sees... They trip over castles, everyone who lives in castles. So their castle is a little more whimsical, and the foliage around it is kind of, you know, cool square trees, like they look like the background cells from uh, Sleeping Beauty. Okay. So it was, it was very different. Nice. And they have, like, that bigger Jules Verne. Is it, is it bigger than, than C? Because I know C's got the lagoon and everything that's yeah, very... C's got, C's got the lagoon, and they have the Journey to the Center of the Earth ride, which is like their big pinnacle ride with the you know, biggest animatronic, uh, inside it. And it's, and they have a Nautilus there. Um, and so like, I guess they have the Jules Verne area in Paris cause they don't have a Tomorrowland. It's called discovery land. Um, and it's kind of all, I guess it was originally a little bit more Jules Verne than it ended up being, but they have like the big floating dirigible. They have a, a Nautilus that you can walk through. Um, their space mountain was like space mountain mission Two. uh, I it was called. Um, Electric Spaceloo. <laughs> Electric Spaceloo, yes. Um, so they have that. There's Space Mountain. Like you can see it goes outside of the building and goes back in. And as you're walking through the queue, there's all these different cool powder keg stuff and like things that feel a little bit less spacey and more like, you know, yeah, Jules Verne, I guess is the way you were describing it. Um, do they still have the, um, like the, Oh shoot! Like what? What was the like fr from the Earth to the Moon where they make that big, like gun, um, like the big cannon and shoot it off? Yeah, that's the kind of what shoots you outside the. So the, is, the, is that what shoots you out through Space Mountain? Yeah. That would oh okay. Yeah, it's really cool looking. See th that that seems really cool. Um. So again, gonna ask you on this one. Um. How would you compare? Uh. You know that park to. Uh, you know, what you had been, you know, used to or what you had seen already. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. This one has like because it's the the Magic Kingdom ish, more different Magic Kingdom. Um, it's pretty comparable. I mean, not in size, but like just in your experience of the park. Like I said, the the you walk in and you know they have Discoveryland, but Tomorrowland essentially is to your right, and it kind of follows the same pattern that you're used to in the other parks that you that you've been at. Um, they have one thing I did notice when we were with my wife because we came from you know the domestic parks and in Tokyo where everybody's wearing matching shirts and Mickey hats and kind of merged out a little bit. And so we had on Mickey shirts, I think. I don't think we were matching, but we both had on Disney shirts. And we got into the parks and kind of were like, the only people wearing Mickey shirts are kids for the most part. Like, what's everyone? And I was like, oh, we're in Paris. Everyone is cooler than us. So everyone was wearing really nice clothes (laughs) and walking around just being cool and Parisian doing the same thing putting their hands up on the teacups all the same stuff they weren't acting cooler they were just dressed like they were in paris i was like okay this is a little different uh i wasn't prepared for that nice so nobody just uh, i'm sure there was the one stereotype that was in the teacup uh with a beret and a baguette and you know mustache (laughs) like smoking black this is nothing this is nothing but tea it is not even good tea yeah just you know one of those guys because there always is yeah, and in uh, Paris, I have a little bit more of a fresh memory because I actually recently just went uh, to Disneyland Paris yeah, again yeah. this year. Uh, I went out to London to go to RTX London, and uh, I was like, "We're gonna f- work's going to pay to fly me all the way out to London. And the same kind of thing when I went to Tokyo. I was like, you know what? I can get on a little train. It's like a two-hour ride from London to Paris. I'll just pop over there for a day after. And so I kind of was mentioning it to some people I worked with. I was like, hey... I'm doing this. I know you guys are all the way out there and they were all planning on going on their vacations. But like to my surprise, like five or six people jumped real quick on. They're like, I'll go, I'll go. So we got a small group of us to go out to to there again. Um, And I guess it had been from, I guess, 2011 to 2018. So a lot was the same and then a handful of things had changed. Um, I'm still a bad luck charm in that both times I've gone there, their version of the Haunted Mansion, which is the Phantom Manor, which is supposed to be amazing, has been closed for refurbishment. So I've still oh. yet, <laughs> I'm 0 for 2 on Phantom Manors. But I do have, a, I did get to do the, the Ratatouille ride, which was awesome. you know, opened over there, which is a totally different kind of ride vehicle and experience than I'd got to do before. Um, and I got to do a couple of things I didn't get to do the first time. So I'm very lucky in that I got to go there twice so far. Um, and there were a few more people wearing Mickey shirts this time, I will say, than That's there were good. That's good. 2011. They've kind of upped their game a little bit. Um, other, they were all tourists. Yes. yes. None of none of them were Parisians. They were just it was like English people. <laughs> the one um, that was consistent that was somewhat frustrating, and maybe it's because of the times that I've gone. I haven't really paid attention. Is that their park hours are very kind of like? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Like, if stuff starts closing down at like seven. Yeah, it, it opens, like the park, I believe, opened at 10, which is real weird. Like I said, I'm usually like, a, we'll get there 30 minutes before rope drop and we'll get there early. And sometimes you have early magic hours. So in Florida, you're sometimes getting ready at 6.30 a.m. to get to the parks by 7.30 so that you can run to something. And so I was with people and I was like, we're going to have to go early. And I was looking up the hours and I was like, oh, I guess it opens at 10. I guess we can get breakfast and then go. <laughs> and so we got there and I was like, okay, we're at 10. And uh, the park closed at 8. The the main Disneyland Paris closed at 8. And I was like, wow, that's that's early. 
Yeah, because in Disneyland especially, that park stays open to like 2 a.m. sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. And even in Florida, you know, the park stays open till 11-ish, 10 or 11. Uh, so I was like, okay, 8 o'clock, that's fine. And then the, the gate, too, they have over there, the second park, the Walt Disney Studios Park, closed at 6.30. And I was just, well, then how are we going to do that? <laughs> Everything's, i got to squeeze in two parks between 10 and 8, and one closes at 6.30. Um, so that was a... That was the biggest culture shock. And I don't know if that's a cultural thing or a saving money thing, probably somewhere in between the two. Um, but it was very strange to have a park that was closing at 630, try to squeeze all those rides in. Well, it's, it sounds like they want you to go multiple days. Yeah. I mean, that's also probably part of it. And they, their hotels are also prohibitively expensive <laughs> to stay in, you know, ringing in. A, I don't remember the, the lowest one was like 500 something a night. Or like I think they have three or four hotels out there, and so we stayed in Airbnb in Paris and kind of took an Uber, French Uber. I think it's still just an Uber over there. And I was like, I'm. It's a Fruber. An Uber, Uber. Is Uber. Uber. And a and a German Uber is a Gruber. Hans. <laughs> so um, so so what about prices there? So like uh, I would assume it would be cheaper since it's only open for like less than 12 hours yeah i do i do remember uh prices being cheaper when we were looking up tickets um and the first and i don't remember the first trip this most recent trip where i was looking um but i ended up going uh, with one of my coworkers used to work at disney world and he was able to get us passes in this time so we lucked out in that regard um but looking at tickets were less i remember than day tickets now at disney at both parks are like over 100 or at about 100 dollars I think I remember day tickets being here, being in like the sixty dollar range for studios and seventy to eighty dollar range for park. Oh, wow, see, that's not bad at all. And then you know, everything did start closing early, like just random food carts. It was hard to find snacks after like four p.m. All the snack carts were closed. Main Street was open, but in any of the other lands, when you tried to go to a restaurant after like four four thirty, things were just closed. And rides in Fantasyland started closing at six thirty. I think the train, we wanted to ride the train. It closed at like 5.55. So you just were kind of wandering from thing that was open to thing that was open, trying to squeeze them in. Uh, um, that's weird. That just sounds bizarre. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, I guess the first time I went, it was not being run by Disney Parks. And they bought it back in like 2016. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if there was a noticeable difference to me. They were probably spending more money on things, but I had fun both times. I'm not going to, I'll complain about the hours, but I had fun both times. Well, hopefully next year, because uh, <laughs> they're, I th- I th- yeah, they already announced RTX London 2019. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what they've officially. Cause I, Cause I think they put, I think they sent guardian applications out. Okay. So I think, I think it's confirmed because I, I know they did, Guardians applications for RTX, and then, but I think before that, they did London ones. So I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they're doing RTX applications, so that's a that's a pretty good sign." If that happens, they're gonna have it. I'll I'll try to finagle another one. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, see if you see if you can you know stow in in somebody's luggage, and you know, make it up there. Gotta go. And then maybe you can get to your Phantom Mansion. Yes, that's. (laughs) I've got to. Can't go three times and not have it. I'll just have to stay until it reopens. Sorry, I can't leave. I have to. I have to stay, guys. You'll be there. What if it's never open? 
It's just that like it was open once, and everybody talked about how nice it was, and it's always been closed for repair, so no one's ever ridden it, but everyone just thinks it's really nice. Uh, that would be the biggest hoax to pull on me. The rest of the world. That's just that's just where they keep all of their the Christmas decorations and everything. They just keep it in the Phantom Mansion. I hope not, because it looks <laughs> it looks so pretty. Uh, okay, so so you've been to everywhere. So how did you get out to Hong Kong? Um, so the job I had uh, before I worked at Rooster Teeth, I was designing watches um, for various different companies, licensed companies. I did Disney watches back then as part of a licensed company, and I did Warner Brothers, I did Harry Potter and Mattel Barbie stuff. So I was doing lots of watches, and like a lot of watch manufacturing and factories are in China, and uh, there's you know, a watch fair that happens every year in Basel, Switzerland, and one that happens every year in, in China. And I'd worked there for a couple of years and kind of finally convinced them to send me out to, to Hong Kong to the watch fair in 2012. So, it was, yeah, three years in a row, it was like Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong. So I, I knocked three of them out Good pretty Lord. quickly. And I think at a certain you, time... You were getting the most out of your passport. Yeah, and I don't remember which of the years it was. I think, uh, I guess it would have been... 2011 to 2012 because the d23 was in 2011 and i had gone out to run the marathon in florida in 2011 also so in 2011 i had gone to disneyland disney world and paris and then immediately after to hong kong so in that like year and a half i had knocked out you know four of the four of them at the time four of the six at the time Jeez. it was a nice it was a good it was a good run right before i had kids <laughs> so yeah, Hong Kong is one of the last parks I had visited before uh, my wife and I had our first child. So I was still kind of trying to squeeze in all the, the magic before all my money went to children and all my time was kind of devoted to figuring out how to dad. Um, so yeah, I was able to be sent out to Hong Kong on a, on a work trip. And I, you know, as you do when someone else pays for you to fly halfway around the world, you kind of milk it and jump over to the closest Disney park. No. So I went to that one by myself, which was kind of a, a different experience. So was this one of your first parks by yourself? I mean, I mean, like uh, out of the well, I mean, I guess this would have been like the first one out of the country by yourself. Yeah, because I've I've never gone explicitly to another park by myself. I'll end up, you know, wandering for half a day or a day by myself in land or world. If you know people want to go back and take naps, or everyone wants to go home early, or I want to go early, like I've been wandering for hours by myself at parks but this was the first yeah full day at a park by myself that was kind of planned to be by myself because um i was only there with a couple of work friends who were not as much into it and they were flying back and going on a different vacation and i, I couldn't have expected them to join along um and, but i was totally thrilled either way so it was a, a it was yeah first full day experience in a park by myself in another country it was it was fun so so i know when we go into disneyland you turn that corner and you walk down that area you go through the security thing and then you make it into like you get your tickets and then you make it into that big circle area that separates um the hub the hub yeah so you got dca and then you've got What's the other? Is it Magic? They don't call it Magic Kingdom. What do they call it? In Disneyland? Yeah, just Disneyland. Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland. Oh, just Disneyland. Okay. So you got <laughs> Disneyland and then you got DCA. 
So, and then when you go in the world, like the moment that you know that you're in there, that you hit the, like the big, uh, like parking area with the yeah, big, yeah, like you see the Disneyland, like Disney World sign. So you know you're in there. There, when you go into uh, Tokyo Disney and see, like there's the you get off the subway and you, you know uh, for Tokyo Disney you get off the subway and you walk straight in, right? Yeah, it's there's kind of another like little hub between Sea Disney Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland. They have kind of like the entrance to their you know Disney Springs downtown Disney shopping uh, expiry. I don't remember what it's called off to the left and there's their big giant world of Disney store. I think it's shaped like a suitcase there. Um, but yeah, you're kind of, as soon as you get off the train, you're thumped right down into the middle of the, the there's music playing. You're there. <laughs> no, no missing, no missing that. And, and then in, when you go through, sorry, go ahead. And in Paris is the same. It's the same. Yeah. You, you go underneath the hotel. Yeah. Underneath the hotel, but you're walking distance from uh, Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney studios, which is their second park. You're kind of, Right in between the two. You can walk between them both, which you need to be able to because the park closes at 6.30, so you need to be able to hustle over there. Um, and yeah, in Hong Kong, um, I think it only opened, it didn't open that uh, that too too early after I got there. Um, I don't remember what year it opened. I should probably have looked that up before I did this, but it, was, it hadn't been open for very long, so I was very excited to, to make my way over there. So, so, so what was that like? So, uh, so, so we have all of these special entrances that you go in. What's it like going through the, into Hong Kong? So it's like, you just get off where you're supposed to go and you just walk straight in like the hub area. Like is, is, is Hong Kong Disney two parks or is that just one park? It's just, it's just the one. And I took the, I took a train to get there as well. So I kind of, you kind of emerged, I emerged out of the ground. Um, (laughs) and you're kind of, kind of in that, what I would call the hub of outside the parks and it's it's a much much smaller park so looking here it opened in 2005 so it had been yeah, i was looking it up as well um yeah it's, it's, a, it's a much smaller park and even as i was going there they were in the middle of their first expansion where they were adding you know three little lands to it um but you can you immediately know it's a it's a smaller park when you approaching it and you're looking at the map and they've expanded once and i think they're you know due for another expansion they announced like a frozen area and a Marvel area are coming like by 2021 and 2023. Um, so like, I think they opened that park and it was kind of the same way when, you know, studios opened where it was like, it was a little bit smaller than it should have been, but it was open and they need revenue to build more things. So that park by like 2023, it looks like it'll be, you know, one to contend with for all the things that they've been adding over there. Nice. So what was, what was that like at Hong Kong Disney? So you're by yourself, at this uh, at this park. So, what was it like, uh, young Tony, just wandering around aimlessly at at Hong Kong Disney? Um, that one was uh, so. Even at at Tokyo Disney, obviously, people were speaking a lot of Japanese, and in in Paris, speaking a lot of French. But it was way more of a blended mix of English and the other language on most of the signage. Um, and in in Hong Kong, I, there was a lot more of people speaking Chinese. You know. Cantonese and Mandarin and it was just a little bit I mean not hard to navigate at all by any means but you just noticed it a little bit more you were kind of a little bit more immersed in the culture of the place that you were in um, so that was slightly different and when you walk in and you look at the castle as you're walking down their main street there's mountains like you're in Hong Kong has a lot of mountains so there's mountains behind the castle which is a thing that I wasn't used to seeing it's a very foreign looking uh, experience and I think they're getting a new castle too it's part of what they're doing they're they're Something redoing their cast. With Shanghai, 
Yeah, Shanghai's you know really brought in a lot. <laughs> they put down the big guns in Shanghai. So so I'm so Shanghai's your next one. That's the last one that you got to get to until presumably, yeah. Uh, you know, Disney Mars comes yeah. out. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Hong Kong. I'm trying to remember some of the other unique experiences. Uh, one of the unique experiences I had was like their their Jungle Cruise, which is you know the boat ride in most of the adventure lands at the different various parks. There are three different lines you can get in. You can get in an English, a Mandarin, and I believe a Cantonese line because the jokes you know have to be told in the language. Yeah, you, you can't. Doesn't you can't. Any, <laughs> I wrote I wrote all three though just for the experience. <laughs> so. Were, were the queues pretty much still there? Like, like so I, because I mean, you, you have ridden Jungle Cruises throughout. Was it still like the same queues each time? Yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly the same. There's a lot of, it's like that bizarro feeling where you're like, I've been here, but I haven't been here. Um, Jungle Cruise is one of the ones that's, you know, kind of the same. Um, and I'm getting, you know, Tokyo and Hong Kong mixed up, but one of them has a little bit more, I think it was Hong Kong. There's a little bit more like mysticism involved in it and spells and things like that. And like there's a god or a fire god and an ice god. There's a little bit more That some sounds awesome. Stuff. And in Tokyo, their Tower of Terror is kind of a it's not that same hotel. There's a, a hotel owner, Mr. Hightower, that's a collecting oddities in his hotel. So the backstory is definitely not the Twilight Zone uh type thing. So you'll go to the different parks and there's some things that are just, oh, this is Peter Pan. Peter Pan is going to be the same here and there and everywhere else. And there's some things that are, you kind of don't know what to expect when you go in, uh, which is kind of a, a good a good feeling. Like, oh, usually this turns left and the it turns right. As simple as that to as, like, as complex as just, oh, now we've gone underwater in this ride that doesn't go anywhere near underwater in the other rides. <laughs> That's strange. So I mean, this this doesn't really um, apply to the to the two uh, to Tokyo and Hong Kong, just because I mean you haven't been there recently. But since the uh, addition of like a lot of like the Marvel and the Star Wars and everything like that, have you seen? Because I mean, obviously Disneyland has changed tremendously um, since acquiring those two. I mean, they're getting you know uh, the Marvel Land and the Star Wars Land and world's getting their star wars land soon but there's a bunch of marvel stuff that's east of the mississippi that they still have to work out so yeah the, you, they, to, the star wars like, print is definitely the one i noticed the most just because yeah because of the the legal battles going on in the background for all the marvel things um but just star wars merchandise because like, i'm a merchandise person so i start to notice at the very beginning when that happened, you know, Star Wars stuff was immediately, it had always already kind of been there because of their uh, Star Tours ride. But they just, it, they just doubled, tripled it up real quick in every, in every corner of the park. And all the experiences where they have Star Wars nights now at uh, Disney World, Hyperspace Nights, or whatever it's called. I went to that this year as well when I was out in Orlando for a different convention. Um, where just, it's kind of like a mini Star Wars convention where people are in costume they change all the menus at all the restaurants to Star Wars related. I had pepperoni shaped like Yoda somewhere. <laughs> um, there's you know lightsaber churros and dark side drinks and light side drinks. So that they've they found the a good way to, and they've been doing this a lot with plus up all these ticketed events that they have where they have like you know not so scary 
Halloween party and very Merry Christmas. Now they have Star Wars events they can layer in and charge more for. And that's actually the, the past two years and this coming uh, in 2019, going out to run the Star Wars Marathon out in, or the Star Wars Half Marathon out in Florida. And so they found another theme for a marathon they can they can charge for and different things like that. So they found good ways to to sneak all these properties in. Uh, you know, and there's people that complain that there's too many IPs going into Disneyland and World and not as much like original IP anymore. Um, but they've got them and they're going to use them. So Exactly. It's like if they make money, why stop? It's like you don't, you don't be like, okay, Star Wars, and then just no more of it. Yeah, we're you, know, gonna, you don't do that. It makes tons of money. We've got enough. <laughs> like literally billions of dollars. There. We've got enough money. I'll so yeah, so have the, enough money. So yeah, my repeating experience, like I said, I've been back, you know, every year in Florida uh, since 20, 2009 to do some either the marathon weekend, which is usually in January, until pretty recently we started doing the Star Wars uh, marathon weekend, which is in April. Um, so that's another thing I at some point will have to cross off my list is that I've only done these Disney runs in Florida. Um, and I know they have a half. In Anaheim. Yeah, I haven't done anything out in California. And Disneyland Paris and I believe Tokyo both have half marathons now that happen around them. So there's another uh, part of the Disney experience. I gotta gotta have more things to shoot for. Um, so you were you were recently in uh, Disneyland Paris. Uh, was it that same? Because I know in America, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, really big. Star Wars not as big in some of the Asian countries. What is what was it like in in Paris? Was there a lot of Disney? And I mean, was uh, was there any Disney in Disneyland? Well, was there a lot of like Marvel and Star Wars? Like, was there more? Of yeah, one they have the they other? have a lot of Marvel. Uh, again, it's merchandise stuff, and like we went to one of the restaurants, and we had a it was like a Spider Man burger that was like the bun was red and it had you know stringy cheese that was like webs and it came with i think i had a hulk custard <laughs> like That's they, awesome. they found their ways to like i said fit the fit the theming in um everywhere that they can that they can they legally can so far and i think that eventually it'll creep its way into everything else nice now tony so big fan of disney but how, how do you like anime um, I watched a lot of anime in college and then, uh, at Rooster Teeth, we have, you know, Ruby, which is kind of our, our biggest property right now. That's kind of a juggernaut and we're coming soon to 2019 Genlock. So a lot of people at my office are really into anime and they've been kind of telling me all these different anime I need to watch. And I've got this list of anime shows that I need to watch just kind of building up on me. I can only watch so much at a time and I've got to like find out where to watch it all. And it's I've got, I've got a lot of homework to do in the anime department, but I, I do like what I've seen. Well, I can help you with your homework to do in the anime department because our good friends over at Funimation are giving all of the ASP listeners free a free two-week subscription to Funimation now. So all you have to do is click on the little link in our bio, and it actually takes you to the page, and you can get your two free weeks of anime, and then after that it's only $5.99 a month which is cheaper than Crunchyroll and cheaper than High Dive and all these other like streaming places. So $5.99 a month, you get your subbed anime because there's some people that think only anime is only meant to ever be in Japanese. Or if you're like me, 
you can get let, watch the dubbed anime as well. So, you know, if you would like to do something other than try and read your anime, you <laughs> can actually get your subbed and your dubbed anime with Funimation. So you can watch stuff like Fairy Tale and My Hero Academia, one of my personal favorites, Full Metal Panic, Robotics Notes, all kinds of great anime. Again, all you have to do is click on the link in the bio that takes you to the site, get your two free weeks of anime only from Funimation you should be watching. I'm on it. So, Tony, if, if you're going to take all of the Disney parks that you've been to, what's the one that you want to go back to? If, if I'm going to I'm going to tell you, hey, tomorrow I'm going to pay for you a trip to go to whatever Disney park that you want to go to. What's the Disney park that you go to? It's Tokyo. It's Tokyo? Yeah. The hype is real. It is. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason, you know, you hear everyone because uh, the, the park, there's two parks and they're both so big and so well thought out that there's no way to really experience all the, the nooks and crannies, all the details. You know, you'll need more than the two days. Uh, yeah. I, was, I, had, I was there for, for two days. We kind of did a day at each park, but a little bit more leisurely than I would ever. We were with some people that aren't Disney people and I was kind of taking it all in. We were in the middle of a international vacation, so you're a little bit more winded than you usually are. And so I, I experienced a lot, but there's I left a lot on the left a lot on the table there. So that's without a doubt uh, where I would like to go again. You know, pending I can't get to Shanghai in any particular way, Tokyo would be the the one I would I would go back to. Nice. That that's the one that I'm really looking forward to myself. I mean, I've got Gavin and Charlie down in Anaheim, so I mean, I got a place to stay there. So I would just have to, you know, get the ticket out there uh, and, you know, everything like that. So the majority of it's taken care of. But to me, from everything that I see, I Tokyo, like, yeah, Tokyo Disney's the one that that's the one that's calling. Like, yeah, I would rather go to Tokyo Disney before World. Yeah, they do. They, they're good at fandom. They're really good at serving fandom and knowing what fans like. And the fans of things are be really good at being, as an anime fan. I'm sure you've seen the people at conventions that go the hardest oh. are the anime fans. And, you know, the Disney fans in Tokyo go hard. They, you know, have the casual cosplays kind of in the parks, which you don't see as much. And they kind of, they don't like you to dress up as much in, in Florida. But, like, everywhere there has kind of like the, you know, the Disney bounding. They're mm -hmm. just next level over there. I, uh, when, when we were last in, uh, Disneyland, I don't know, like, cause I had never been aware of it before. Like the first time that we went, I had nothing, I had no idea what the Duffy thing was. So I, we went, I don't remember seeing any of it. The <laughs> second time that I went, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I was seeing Duffy everywhere. I was explaining to, uh, Gavin's wife, Charlie, like, what Duffy was and I was because like we would be in line and you'd see one of these uh you know little Japanese girls and she's got like that big gigantic Duffy backpack that's like bigger than she is and I'm like I that's that's Duffy that one right there that's the Duffy so like you can see this is what it looks like and like carrying teddy bears that like, one of them was dressed like uh Jack Skellington and I was like that probably cost you a good ton of money and you brought it all the way over here that's dedication yeah there's duffy and i think duffy is with shelly may which is like the other bear and there's a cat uh there's a that's cat in now? gelatoni i believe is the cat's name 
Oh, I want the from, cat. Yeah, it's a, it's a cat. I think it's got a little beret on. I think it's from Tokyo, though. I think it's from, like, Mediterranean Harbor. Uh, cat's name is Gelatoni. It's, a, it's, it's as like cute as it sounds. Ador- that's the most adorable thing I've ever heard, Tony. Like, oh, hey, yeah, Gelatoni Tony. Oh, my gosh, we, you need to get one. Yeah, I that's what you need next back. time. That will be next year's Halloween costume. You're gonna go as Gelatoni. Gelatoni, the very specific, the very name-related fun <laughs> costume. Just wear it to Rooster Teeth. See if anybody gets it, and if anybody gets it, just be like, give them five dollars. Not like, yeah. No one, no one will get it. No one will get Gelatoni. Probably not. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. So, of all of the parks that you've been to. Which one's your favorite? So I this was this is probably gonna, you know, tear a bunch of people on the West Coast up. You're like, oh, you're from SoCal, you need to so, be in to- Disneyland, blah blah blah. What's your favorite Disney park that you've ever been to? Um, you know, and I'm kind of gonna fall in line. I think just because of the like all the, the touchy feely spots in my brain that it hits, like Disneyland still feels like the park that I'm supposed to be at when I'm when I'm at Disney World, and obviously it's a lot different. There's the four parks, and you're surrounded by it. You're staying at a hotel, riding a bus, like you're in the middle of it. Um, I think it's just during my formative years going to Disneyland has kind of built those wires in my brain that connect to one another where you're like, okay, this is Disney the park. Um, and all the other parks are, you know, and they are kind of modeled after it. So it kind of feels correct. It feels a little bit more comfortable um, even though I go to World way more frequently now, um, just going back to to land, it's just like a it, it like I said, it's kind of feels more correct <laughs> in my brain. Uh, there are definitely things, you know, political answers that are better in World than they are in land, um, and there are a lot of things better in land than there are in World. So you kind of have to get the full scope of the parks to get the full experience, but the it still feels more uh, like the park to go to land. I gotcha. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. That makes sense. Um, by the way, I did just look up Gelatoni. You didn't like you 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 were describing it, and you made it sound cute. And then I looked up a picture. It's adorable. It's very adorable. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Like I want one. Um, so so we go Disneyland, uh, and hopefully we will see you out there soon. I, have uh, I, I assume you're going to, yeah, we're going to try and get to, so if there's anybody at Rooster Teeth listening, Tony has very important design and merchandise relating, related uh, events and items that can be completed if he goes to D23. And I think you should send him all expense paid for a week. For a full week. For a full week. Because, I mean, D23 is four days. Is it? Yeah, well, it's three and a, like a preview day and yeah, the preview we'll day it. and then three, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he has he has to do four days at the convention, and that's like from open to close. So he's going to be there a lot, and then he can, you know, he needs to walk around Disneyland to see what new merch they have. I won't so, say I haven't brought it up. I won't say I haven't brought it up because I have <laughs> casually mentioned uh, mentioned it. Because where else can you find a uh, little Cinderella's caramel glass apple like drink mug thing that is full of grapes? <laughs> Only at Disneyland. And it will cost you $15. 
or Disneyland or Shanghai Disneyland. I bet they have great merch over there. I could go. Oh man. Oh, you know what? I bet they have uh, at Tokyo Disney now. I bet you can get those hundred and fifty dollar grapes in in some like ridiculously expensive like crystal Disney cup now. Yeah, they're they're for, like two hundred bucks. The popcorn bucket game is kind of what's been spreading internationally, where there's different shaped, elaborate popcorn buckets to buy. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Like yeah, you could you could get this little thing in a popcorn bucket too. But I was like, hmm, I would rather have grapes than popcorn. <laughs> and by but I will say, they were delicious grapes. Worth the most expensive grapes I've ever purchased. So you will probably they be were delicious. D twenty three again. You're gonna. Uh yeah, planning on it. Yes. Um, and even it's one of those where I'm like, even if I don't go to the con, because honestly, that con was nothing for me. Because like as an aspiring voice actor, there's really nothing there for me. Other than getting to meet the people. And yeah, there's but, other, you can meet other voice actors. <laughs> you can stand in line to meet. And I think I met Ursula, voice of Ursula. And so you'll just kind of, you can find all those lines and just casually drop cards. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess i could do that oh man i gotta go gonna have to expense that out um but yeah like uh, there's stuff like that but i mean the the majority of the people that i met because i mean i met you in the park right i met jared mariyama in the park i saw josh gad in the park man it's like <laughs> you see these feet like you everybody's at the park and like nobody's at the convention yeah well, i mean they're they're at the convention but all the other nerds like me are at the convention, sleeping on the exactly. floor, waiting. Exactly. You guys are, you know, looking at pins and stuff, and I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get uh, but yeah, yeah, d- definitely planning on on being out there for D23 this year. Excellent. All right, so Tony, one more thing about Rooster Teeth. Okay. First off. I say one more thing. There's multiple. First off, what do you want to make? Like, what, what's what's going to be your new thing? Because, I mean, I know you guys have done a lot of stuff. Like, you guys got the Moonball stuff. And you guys just came out with uh, Achievement Hunter Monopoly. Correct. So, what's, like, I know you probably can't talk about it, uh, stuff that's on currently right now. But what's something that you want to see happen? Um, I think we're on track with... What I want to see happen. So, like, as uh, another thing I'm a big nerd about is I come out of one of those streetwear and sneaker nerds that collects shoes, and I used to buy and sell shoes a lot more often on eBay. Um, and streetwear is kind of what's in fashion right now. And so we're working with like a lot of the different brands that Rooster Teeth has to kind of build these more fashionable collections that we drop kind of quarterly in the same way that some of these uh, other streetwear brands are doing. It's just kind of trying to. Like the the big goal, like the the baseline is to kind of elevate the brands that we have at Rooster Teeth to that they feel like cool clothes you want to wear that happen to be, you know, the brands that you like as opposed to just like, oh, that shirt of that thing I like. Um, So it's been a real, not a struggle, just kind of like a lot of learning to get to where we are. And we've hired the correct people and made the correct moves to kind of get um, a lot of our brands to the next level where we're just making cool stuff that you want to wear regardless of whether or not you know what Achievement Hunter is or if you know what Ruby is. Our goal is to just kind of make clothes that are like, what is that thing? I want to wear that. Um, So that's kind of the thing that I'm most proud of that's 
there's a map that plans, you know, the next few steps in the process. And I'm just very excited about uh, where this is going to take us. Nice. So more stuff like the Jeff collection and like the Barber collection, those type of things. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the more experimental, like personality based things that allow us to kind of branch off and do stuff that is a little bit out of the ordinary. I I will say, like, I, I don't know if you had anything to do with it. But whoever designed the uh, the Jeff melting popsicle shirts, yeah, that was a skulls. I I bought one of those just because those are so freaking cool. Yeah, there's a designer named John Benson. He's one of the designers that works on my team. Like I said, I've got a, I, what the the key to being successful at a job is to hire people that are <laughs> more talented than you and hide behind them as they do all the good work and kind of like stand there and be like, "Hey, this is us." Um, so, so, yeah. so did you hire him? I did have a hand in, in finding him. Yeah, he was, you know, applied on his own and he happened to go to school with one of the other designers we had at the time, but they didn't know each other. But his portfolio was so strong, like it was a no brainer. Um, and he was one of the people that I, I had a hand in hiring. Nice. Well, then I'm going to say that indirectly, you helped create one of my favorite <laughs> Rooster Teeth shirts. Yes, indirectly. I'll so, take it. Perfect. Um, Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, really, Tony, I mean, keep up the good work down there. You guys are killing it merch-wise. Um, Rooster Teeth is just you know, knocking it out of the park with all the stuff. I mean, you guys got freaking David Tennant and Macy Williams in yeah. Genlock. Michael B. Jordan. And Michael B. Jordan. I don't know why I GQ's forgot. GQ's Man Jordan. of the Year <laughs> as of today, I think they announced. Oh, really? You yeah. Man of the Year? That's dope. Because I know, I think Idris made Sexiest, didn't he? Oh, I... I'll go, I'll go look at the list. I don't know. I don't have it up to date. You need to get Idris next. Um, yeah, that that show is going to be something you're going to keep an eye on. As again, that's another thing I'm really excited about. I'll say is the the places that that show will take you know the merchandise because it you know mech shows are just fun <laughs> and mech show merch can be really fun. Um, so I am excited about that as well. I've seen a little bit of it and it's just kind of crazy. It's the good, the good kind of crazy. Nice. Oh, man. So, Tony, where can everybody um, find you social media-wise? Um, Twitter and Instagram are kind of the easiest, safest uh, places. And just uh, Tony underscore Simonetta, S-I-M-O-N-E-T-T-A. Um, more active on, on those, kind of posting a mixture of random foods I like to try, things at Rooster Teeth, cute pictures of my children. <laughs> Normal everyday stuff. Um, nice. And I think I still have a website that I have not updated in a while at TonySimonetta.com that someday I will get to as you know, every designer says, someday I will go fix that. Well, you know, I mean, you, you've got, I mean, you have a you have a thing. You can just be like, yeah, go to RoosterTeeth.com, click on the merch, me. That stuff. That, that that's, that's me. You got me there. Yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, at Twitter, or sorry, on Twitter at Animate Podcast, Facebook and Tumblr, Animation Station Podcast. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, and our website, Animation Station Podcast.com. And thanks again to Funimation for sponsoring this episode. And get yourself some free anime, guys. I mean, you, help, you get free anime, and you help the ASP. It's a win-win situation. <laughs> oh, man. So, again, thanks so much, Tony, for coming on again. 
Definitely. It's, Anytime. Uh, it's, it's been a while, and I was like, I like talking to you, so, and I still kind of like talking to you, so. I'll try to do some more interesting stuff between now and next time. <laughs> You're good. All right, so for the Animation Station podcast, I'm Josh. And I've been Tony. I'm still Tony, but I've also been Tony. Bye. Bye. <laughs>